0: And welcome to the Blast From Our Past Podcast We are the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more All from the things of our nostalgic past I'm Adam I'm John And in today's episode, we have got a cock-filled episode for you It is chock-full of cock uh, Or really just birds in general, I would say uh, We are, <laughs> are doing a bird-centric episode? I don't know uh, We are going to be breaking down the 1991 film Rocket doodle and doing a TV review of the early 90s show Darkwing Duck and then we kind of skew off into something totally different uh, for our casting. Uh, We are going to be doing the Marvel property Moon Knight and putting him into the MCU. I'm quite excited about that. I am as well. Yeah Uh, I have you have you read uh, any Moon Knight comics? I've read quite a few Moon Knight but all of them are like recent Okay, yeah. Within the last probably five to seven to maybe ten years at most. I've read a, a few, just a few. I think I there was a run called The Specter of Moon Knight, and I think I think that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was one that I've read for a little bit. Uh, so I do, yeah, I, and I know a little bit about the character, but not much. So I kind of had to do a little bit of research and look into these characters that we'll be casting. So, uh, but I'm excited about that. I love when we kind of do these kind of off ones, these kind of Marvel ones, just to kind of show our nerdiness. Right. You know, I, I'm happy about it. So, But before then, all the cock. All the <laughs> cock. Of course, I mean, rooster.
1: Uh-huh.
0: A uh, Chanticleer, if you will. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but yes, all right. Uh, and that movie, as mentioned before, came out in 1991. John, my man, what happened in 1991? All right, so the film Rockadoodle came out
1: on April 3rd, 1991. The Billboard Top 100 single of that week was the song Coming Out of the Dark by Gloria Stefan. E. It's one of those ones where if, I guarantee you, if you hear it, you'll recognize it.
0: Don't think I've ever heard of that song. Don't think really? I've I know it at all. Yeah, I mean, I know Gloria Stefan. I mean, this I guess this is post Miami Sound Machine. Oh yeah, uh, you know that that was good shit uh, when she was with the Sound Machine. But I mean, she's she's fantastic. I very much like her. But I do not know "Coming Out of the Dark." I'm
1: kind of surprised. I mean, I I, mm. I recognize that chorus pretty well. Mm-hmm.
0: Coming out of the dark. Uh, yeah, no. Nah. Oh. Doesn't don't
1: know it. Wow. Uh, all right. Uh, also that year, uh, a lady named Gloria Steinem, uh, who was a well-known feminist, uh, protested the publication of the novel American Psycho due to its uh, you know kind of portrayal of violence towards women. Mm-hmm. Guess who Gloria Steinem's stepson is? Christian Bale.
0: I was going to guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's her stepson. Yes, that's funny. That's very funny. Uh, Please tell me you have more things about different Glorias. We've got two for two on Gloria's. What else we got going on? No, sorry. That's all I got for Gloria. Oh,
1: damn. <laughs> um, so uh, in earl- uh, early in 1991, cosmonaut Sergei uh, Krikalev, Krikalev, I'm not really sure how to pronounce his name, mm-hmm. uh, he launched into space as a citizen of the Soviet Union, uh, but he landed as a citizen of Russia.
0: Oh. <laughs> that's cool. The, the dissolve of the Soviet Union happened while he was up in space. Yep. That's pretty interesting. I like that. <laughs>
1: Uh, just another kind of interesting fact: Elizabeth Taylor got married that year again to husband number seven, mm-hmm. uh, named Larry Fertinsky. They met at a rehab center, and they got married at Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch.
0: <laughs> okay, so well, that's a lot of a lot of fun <laughs> things in there. A lot of old nostalgia. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Elizabeth Taylor. Did she only have? I thought I can't remember. if She had ended with seven or ended with eight or whatever, but she just had so many.
1: I don't remember.
0: Yeah, it doesn't matter. Too many.
1: Um, Too many. Also that year, uh, Australia uh, phased out all of their one cent and two cent coins. Something that I think we need to do here in the U.S. Nobody needs pennies. Agreed. Just make everything five or
0: ten, and that's it. I, I got. Uh, let's 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 talk economics for a bit, John. Sure. One hundred percent. You're right. Get rid of the damn penny. Get rid of tipping, <laughs> and and then also start factoring tax into the cost of things you know that you see in the store already just like how Europe does it yep. where you see the price tax is already in it. Like, it's so much nicer when you have that just already calculated so you can actually like do the math much more b- easier in your head. And tipping is so fucking dumb! Alright, anyway, that's my soapbox on US economics. Uh, let's, let's hear more about this cool fact from 1991.
1: <laughs> well, uh, because Australia had the Olympics coming up in 2000 about nine years later, they used mm-hmm. those coins and melted them down to make the bronze medals that they used for that oh, year. Obviously they that's cool. They didn't use all of them because there was <laughs> (laughs) way too many but that's what they used to make the bronze medals was they uh they got rid of their coins i guess i guess their coins were bronze so Mm -hmm. no i like that
0: that's that's another little fun fact there you go that's uh 1991 all right well we are gonna crow our way and kaka into Rocket doodle Came out in 1991. This film was directed by Don Bluth. We have talked about him before in our Land Before Time episode. Uh, He is a fantastic animation director uh, and a fantastic animator on top of that. He worked for Disney uh, before he eventually broke away on his own projects, Uh, but he was an animator on things like Robin Hood, The Rescuers, Pete's Dragon, Fox and the Hound. Uh, And then he kind of broke away and he started doing some kind of these really classic non Disney animation where he kind of started producing writing and directing for them including ones called secret of nim as i mentioned land before time an american tale all dogs go to heaven anastasia titan a e and plenty others as well so uh this is a very seasoned animation guy in don bluth and you guys have i would you know bet money y'all have seen at least like three or four of his uh the stuff that he's worked on
1: oh yeah i was surprised uh to see first of all i'll be honest with you i have no memory of this movie at all oh really yes Surprisingly, okay. I don't remember seeing it ever.
0: Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, because I mean, came out ninety one. Like that's pretty much like you know, right around the time where you probably would. I mean, you were you were probably tenish when this came out. I know out.
1: that's what's surprising to me is, is I was about probably the right age, but I don't remember this mm-hmm. one at all. I, this made must I don't know how uh, you saw it and I didn't, or maybe maybe yeah. you saw it later. Yeah, possible. But I don't. Yeah, I don't remember this one at all.
0: I mean, I, I yeah, I, I definitely remember it. That's kind of where I. I recommended it. It was one I just I don't know why. Well, I wanted honestly, I really wanted to do Darkwing Duck. And so I was trying to think of a theme (laughs) for that one. And I also wanted to do another animated movie because we haven't done an animated one in a little bit. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, what would go good with Darkwing Duck? Okay, how about, you know, another bird one? Let's do (laughs) Rockadoodle. But yeah, but it's definitely one I remember as a kid. And uh, so I'm, I'm well. I'm excited to lead the nostalgia charge for this episode. Then, all right. The original score in this film was done by Robert Folk, uh, who Robert Folk has done quite a bit of stuff. It, it, honestly, he's done quite a bit of. Uh, kind of really cheesy movies. Uh, He has done all seven. I think there's only seven of the Police Academy movies. Oh. Uh, He he scored those. He also, which actually, I particularly remember those first couple, at least that first one, had a pretty damn good score. They had a good little, like, like, almost like a March sound to them with, you know, that, uh, that I just, I just remember for some reason. But he also did some other like really cheesy ones. Uh, Bachelor Party, that Tom Hanks one, <laughs> if you ever saw that one. In the Army Now, the Parley Shore one. Theodore Rex, which is the Whippy Goldberg movie. Uh, Boat Trip, which was a terrible one with Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, and, then, and also Kung Pao, Enter the Fist, um, were just a couple. But also, what I just thought was really interesting, when I was looking through his credits, the guy has done a shit ton of sequels. Not the originals, right. but a shit ton of sequels. So he did Neverending Story 2, which if anybody listened to that episode that Corey and I did of the sequels of that one, oh, it's fucking bad. <laughs> uh, he did Beastmaster 2, Ace Ventura: When Nature Calls, Lawnmower Man 2, uh, Major League Back to the Miners, which is the third installment of that series, uh, Van Wilder 2, and Beethoven's Big Break, which is the sixth in that series. So he's the guy is a, a sequel meister, if you will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: So, apparently anyway. not anyone's first choice
0: yeah I, mean, I guess <laughs> I guess not but maybe he can replicate other people's style and maybe yeah. that's what's so good about him that uh-huh. actually that would make him a valuable
1: uh, person yeah if that's if that's what you needed which a lot of times I know for uh, a fact a lot of uh, uh, you know famously, There's a lot of uh, music in Star Wars which sounds like Stravinsky, and that's because Lucas Mm -hmm. was listening to Stravinsky when he wrote the scenes and basically told John Williams, I want this. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people kind of gave John Williams criticism because they're like, well, this basically is just straight out of Stravinsky, but that's what the director asked for. He literally asked for basically imitate this.
0: Yeah, uh, and that totally makes sense. You know, I've I've worked on – features before and you know particularly in the post-production process and while you're editing those most editors edit them with temp score in mind and so they put in you know either you know typically you kind of have like a You know, a little stash of uh, older scores of other other stuff that kind of fits in different genres, and you just start using those to score your movie while you're editing it, because that really helps your pace of when you're editing other stuff like that. Then the composer comes in, and they write new music. You know, it can be a totally different style, or it can kind of be a similar style if that temp music really fits it. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, it's, I mean that's a, that is a very important thing for some people who can do it um, to to write like it. So I, I get that, and I still love John Williams. I don't give a fuck uh, if he made it all sound like Krasinski, Krasinski, whatever you said. There's
1: a reason why he's so popular. He's the master. Yeah, he is. He's definitely.
0: All right, we got a couple voice masters in this film. Uh, Phil Harris is our narrator slash hey Hey,
2: hey, boy, we were this close. Oh, that flashlight biz was quick thinking on your part
0: The uh, dog, which Phil Harris, I I know we've talked about him before But he was the voice of Baloo and Little John in uh, Jungle Book and Robin Hood, respectively He also had a big part in uh, Aristocats Um, But, you know, his voice is someone that you pick out You're like, oh yeah, it's fucking Baloo Yeah. Well,
2: uh, that's pretty big talk, little britches
0: Uh, Glenn Campbell did the voice of Chanticleer
2: Ah, Goldie when I left the farm, I had such a big hole in my heart, you could have put a John Deere tractor through there.
0: The rhinestone cowboy himself. Exactly. Glenn Campbell's not, he's an actor, but he's mostly known for musicals. And so there's two songs I do want to call out. Uh, that are both pretty damn famous songs. The first one being a Wichita line, which is a damn good song. Mm-hmm. I am a lineman for the county.
2: And I drive the main road,
0: searching in the sun for another. And that was just fun. It's just just a nice kind of like I don't know, almost almost emotional song. Uh, But then the one that I think most people know him from, as you said, "Rhinestone Cowboy."
1: He also did uh, Southern Nights, which was on the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 soundtrack, okay. I think.
2: Southern Nights Have you ever felt a Southern night? Free as a breeze Not to mention the trees Whistling tunes that you know
0: Well, he's he's fantastic. And he had a, yeah those string of hits from like the 60s, 70s kind of era and mostly kind of like country-esque Yeah Stuff, but uh, he's good, and he was a really good singer, and uh, just very blatantly, I really like his voice, his singing voice in this film. I did too. Yeah, yeah. Those original songs, I think he did a fantastic job, and then we'll get into each one as we go. Right. Uh, All right. A couple other, just two other voice actors I want to call out. Uh, One is Christopher Plummer. He played the Grand Duke Owl. But you see, we creatures of the night have worked very hard to make absolutely sure.
2: that, that bird does not
0: return. Christopher Plummer, you know from American Tale, he did a voice in that, A Beautiful Mind, uh, but he is probably best known as George Von Trapp in The Sound of Music. Oh, yeah. He's no uh, stranger to musicals and theater esque kind of stuff, anyway. And then Edmund, who is the fairly annoying little kid slash kitten. <laughs> Uh, he is voiced by Toby Scott Granger.
2: We don't want the king. We want Chanticleer. Who
0: really only has six acting credits to his name. All movies and shows that I know, but none of the other kind of characters that I recognize. But um, So I guess he just kind of had a short little stint in acting. Like After watching this movie, once I hear the name Chant- uh, Chanticleer, I can't not hear his annoying ass little voice constantly screaming, Chanticleer, Chanticleer. Like, he's like <laughs> half of his life are fucking Chanticleer just screaming it and it's kind of annoying (laughs) i I also kind of want to know where the hell they got that name so this movie is apparently based uh is loosely based on an old play okay Uh, there was an old play from 1910 called Chanticleer, uh spelled differently and it was uh by someone named edmund roston so i wonder if that's how they got the name edmund for this kid probably yeah and it's it's about these uh, basically these farm animals, and the, the play centers around the theme of idealism and spiritual sincerity, uh, as contrasted with cynicism and artificiality. Uh, but it's it, it stars and like the main character is this rooster, so, okay, called Chanticleer. So that's that's how 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 they get it. Very very. Brief synopsis is, uh, you know, uh, the the whole movie is basically in order to defeat the Grand Duke of Owls, a young boy transformed into a cat teams up with a group of barnyard animals to find a rooster who can raise the sun. That's kind of the quick little log line of the film. But uh, all right, now we will move on into it and we start off with uh, title cards over space. Kind of like a space. I don't know why we started off on space. <laughs> I just thought that was <laughs> kind of interesting. Uh, but you know, it kind of makes more sense. We pan over to Earth and we get this narrator who we find out later to be T- uh, Patu, and he's kind of telling us about the story of the sun rising. And we're kind of getting like the sun behind the Earth right here, you know, and how it can then also then was also went back to sleep at some point. So we're just kind of getting a little bit of setup here that this is going to be a story about something that can raise and lower the sun, if you will. Uh, but we head on down to. Earth and right away we get a song from Chanticleer. Cock-a-doo,
2: oh, oh, yeah, lady. Cockadoo, what a day. The sun is shining brightly. Cockadoo, sunny day. Down here on the farm. Cockadoo, stay away. You big old.
0: It's a fun one. It you know shows that he's got like the, the power to wake up the sun, um, but he just starts singing, and it just kind of kind of gets me in the mood, um, <laughs> and just kind of also helps set up you know through this song and whatnot that Chanticleer is really the coolest animal on the farm. Yeah, you know he, he is the cock of the walk, if you will, huh? Uh-huh. huh? Yep. Nothing, nothing more than that. That's all I get. It's every time I, <laughs> I th- every time I hear that phrase, it makes me think
1: of the SNL skit with Christopher Walken when they're doing the uh, um, oh yeah the uh, um, yeah, yeah. Oh God, the cowbell don't, don't Feel the Reaper and he just randomly yes. will, yells out I'm a cock of the walk baby I'm staring here staring at rock legend Bruce Dickinson I'm a cock of the walk baby and if Bruce Dickinson wants more cowbell we should probably give him more
2: cowbell say baby guess what I got a fever
1: and the only prescription is more cowbell <laughs> It makes no sense, but in yeah. my
0: head, I hear
1: that phrase as Christopher I'm Bruce Hagen. Dickinson. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm the I'm cock of the walk, baby. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. I imagine a penis actually just kind of strolling down the street. <laughs> that's what I kind of get. But maybe that's just me. I think it's just you.
1: I hope it's just you. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: apparently, a stranger... Uh, rooster has snuck onto the farm to try and stop Chanticleer from crowing and we get a cockfight like a legit uh <laughs> cockfight these two roosters going at it um and apparently we find out that this grand duke of owls sent this uh hitman rooster to stop Chanticleer from raising the sun uh, basically at least to delay him uh, because what happens is the sun comes up without him crowing and all of, like the the farm animals all thought oh shit Chantic is the one who raises the sun. Uh, we didn't know that the the earth moves around the Sun and, and, and it's gonna move up with or without the voice of a single crow, but
1: which is weird because they're basically in a modern society. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean are. there's like cities and lights and shit so. but yeah, they have
0: no uh, no science, you uh, know, yeah. uh, no space. <laughs> Apparently nobody's thought to look at the stars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so basically Chanticleer's confidence is shot. And as he kind of thought that the sun came up with his crowing as well. uh, And so he kind of, he's sad and he leaves the farm. He's depressed. Then we see, you know, we we then meet the Duke who is uh, this, uh, you know, big scary owl. But then also the film stops and we see this human, this live action kid. uh, And his mother is reading him this story. And so basically, okay, this animated thing is within uh, this storybook that we're getting. Which, yes, I saw this movie as a kid. I completely forgot that there was a whole live action aspect to this film because yeah, that's not what you remember. you know you, you pull out you pull out the good animation or you pull out the uh, the songs you know that's that's the kind of shit you remember. I don't remember every little bit in Bob about Rockadoodle
1: this uh, that took me by surprise too mm-hmm. um, even having never seen it, uh, just all of a sudden boom switching to live action because it didn't seem like it fit.
0: Well, I was gonna save it for final thoughts, but I'll say it now. I think this film would be better off without the fucking live action. I agree. It's unnecessary. You're right. It it pulls you out of it and it's unnecessary. Just make it about the story of the fucking rooster, you know, in the animated world. And that's all I need. Have the kid be a little kid who's lost from the city or needs to go or whatever the hell he's got to do. He's just a sad kitty that needs to help find Chanticleer. But making him a human that got turned into the kitty from the evil owl that was they were living it. They were in both worlds at times. It was fucking weird. Yeah, and, and it didn't make much sense. Well,
1: and then it goes through this next this whole process of the the farm being flooded and bringing yeah. in the brothers, and none of that shit really comes back. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah, it really that doesn't. that whole sequence seemed completely unnecessary. It was. Like it seemed like it should have, it could have, they could have just, the mother is reading the boy the story and either the mother has to leave or the boy like just kind of falls asleep and begins to dream, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe you take it into the dream and he dreams himself into the story and that's what you're hearing or something like that. But that whole sequence about saving the farm and like the flood and, I mean, I know they kind of tie that into what is happening in the cartoon, but even that seemed unnecessary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. because when they when they go from real to the cartoon uh, which is a little bit later but you know they they say oh my god we're getting all this rain and then you know you so you kind of think okay there are obviously parallels or what's happening in real life is also happening in the cartoon is it also happening vice versa and then apparently the entire fucking town w- or the farm was flooded so fucking much water was coming in the second floor story window and right. it was like wait a minute whoa whoa is that also happening in real life I'm fucking confused now what's going on <laughs> it, it was not needed that that should have just been pulled out and it should have just been an entire animation thing and they should have figured out how to keep it fully animated that was uh confusing it was utterly confusing yeah so the grand duke of owls apparently comes into like the real world and he's the one who turns edmund into a kitty basically turns him into a kitty because he wants to eat him and kitties apparently taste better than human kids so there you go (laughs) But I guess I guess the whole the whole thing that brought the the owl in there was that you know this dumb kid who was reading this story he heard of it he saw about the, all this flooding and whatnot and then he starts screaming for Chanticleer, uh, you know, and as a human boy he's screaming for Chanticleer and that's what apparently brought the grand owl. But then yeah, it's still still confusing because it's like. What the fuck can humans can whatever if a human you know does something in the real world how does it affect the cartoon world because I don't know I feel like Mm -hmm. if that was the case him yelling well I mean it's not really the case because him yelling wouldn't have gotten through to the sound waves of the cartoon world. Right. Sorry, I'm rambling, but like this is just fucking weird to me, because when we were in the cartoon world, I didn't hear the voices of the mother or the cars driving or anything that happened in the real world, so why the fuck does this kid yelling Chanticleer mean crap in the animation world? It doesn't matter. Whatever, it's a fucking kid's movie, Adam, but it is just strange, and I'm, I'm having trouble now wrapping it around my head. Uh, <laughs> honestly, when I was watching this normally, even just for doing these notes, it didn't really bother me, but now that I'm really trying to talk about it, it's like... Wait a minute! That's really fucking confusing. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, that's a bit of a diatribe. Uh, let's uh, move on. Patu the uh, the dog comes in and ends up saving Edmund from the Grand Duke Owl. You know, Edmund's kind of freaking out that he's a cat now. It's kind of funny. You know, Patu says a line. Uh, you know, steady boy, keep your pants on. And Edmund looks down. And, you know, he's a cat and he's got no clothes on. Uh, and he just says, like, "Oh my gosh!" And then he finds like a doll puts on their clothes. Now the thing that bothered me, <laughs> he says. <laughs> Tattoo says, steady boy, keep your pants on, and that's what freaks out Edmund to get close. He only puts on a shirt and a Davy Crockett hat. He doesn't put on pants. (laughs) And that was the whole thing that (laughs) that he was worried about. I didn't think about that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a big deal, but um, whatever. Uh, We meet this nerdy mouse as well called Peepers and a bunch of other kind of farm animals as well that are thrown aside and just stay... At the house as it's flooding on top of this bed down the line, and really I don't give a fuck about those other farm animals. Yeah, and <laughs> it's just like whatever, and we'll we'll talk about them later. But it's just like at one point, you know, they're worried about these flashlights not having enough battery power, and I'm just like I don't give a fuck about you guys. I have no emotional connection to you other farm animals. Last time I last time I actually really saw you, you were kind of jerks to Chanticleer. Like <laughs> the last. Other than that, you were just bitching for, we need to find Chanticleer. Right. So I just don't, I don't care about them, but whatever. Uh, We also meet uh, this magpie, which is a bird. um, And his name is Snipes. He's a fun character. I actually kind of like him. Uh, He's voiced by uh, Eddie Deason, who mm, I think people would recognize his voice, but uh, most people would probably recognize him. He was the very, very nerdy character in the movie Grease. Yeah. Um, If you, if. People saw him. That's kind of what I recognize him from the most. I kind of actually recognize um,
1: him from uh, War Games as well.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, was he, he was one of the scientists in that? Yeah, in I think so. One? So Peepers the Mouse convinces Edmund to kind of, you know, take the animals to the city to try and find Chanticleer because he apparently knows the way to the city because apparently the direction in real life to the city is also the same direction in animate the animated world. The, whatever. I'm going to stop talking about the bridge of real life and, <laughs> and animated life. But uh, so... He's gonna take them, and that's when water starts rushing into the house. Basically, Edmund, Petu, Snipes, and Peepers hop on this toy chest and start heading out, and then the rest of them are left on this bed, you know, inside the house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then we head over to like this the court of owls or whatever. Uh, we see the Grand Duke, and we get some kind of a, an organ music going, and he's singing a, a little song, and he kind of. Uh, We just kind of get a little bit introduced to them, which I actually kind of enjoyed that quite a bit. So he turns on the Duke.
2: And with what you suppose he turns on the Duke? What, master? A flashlight. What's a horrible thing to do? What's the horrible thing to do? Thing to do!
0: And then flies in a little pygmy owl called Hunch, who is, you know, of course, as a kid, he's going to be one of your favorite characters. He was, for me, definitely enjoyed hunch as a kid i i love the voice of charles nelson riley as hunch i think it's just fantastic
2: uh, Uncle Juki, Uncle Juki. Oh, i wish you wouldn't do that
0: i i thought it was okay well, I didn't, yeah, you're I are an adult I w- I w- now <laughs> i know i wasn't as drawn to him no i mean definitely but as a kid though you can see why how kids yeah could be drawn to him because he's he's very much like you know in, in a lot of these movies you have like one erratic character you know like kind of like the uh was it the batty in fern gully or even like the genie you know in aladdin or other non robin williams characters but like you know you get, you get you get those erraticy kind of things that are just silly and basically they're just for kid comedic slapstick comedy mm-hmm. and he is that um, but it just helps me that it's voice by charles nelson, charles nelson riley because i love charles nelson riley so much so okay so i like that as edmund and the crew are kind of sailing uh, we see, you know, Hunch and these other owls attack them, uh, and they're kind of like, they pick up the chest, they're carrying it up. These these owls are the most strongest, hugest owls uh, ever, <laughs> yeah. because, like, you see them at different, like, sizes later, and they're, like, way bigger than, like, a hog like an entire hog and pig and like these owls are like dwarfing them and it's like that's not really how owls are sized but (laughs) they're also at least magic owls at least the grand duke is a magic owl every time he can kind of breathe shit on you right and he'll turn you into whatever he wants i don't know i don't know know why he has all these magic powers but he does yeah i guess so you know as the owls have picked up the chest Edmund thinks very quickly and he turns on this flashlight. Or he turns on, sorry, this cam camera flash, which frightens the owls and they drop it. But uh as it's kind of still going in the water, the chest top closes and the crew kind of goes sunk underwater at one point. And this is a scene that I absolutely remember as a kid. I actually really, really liked this scene when they're caught in there and Snipes is freaking out. You know, you get you get this magpie bird who is apparently claustrophobic. Oh, yeah. And he's just like kind of Woodpeckering all inside the chest. Yeah. And he's just going nuts. Uh, let, let me out of here. I, I,
2: I, I can't breathe. Help, I need air. Him. He's claustrophobic.
1: That scene I did like. That one made my. I watched this movie with my son. And that scene mm-hmm. made us laugh at laugh out loud.
0: Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I mean, that was definitely one of my most memorable scenes. And I, seeing it again, I was like, "Oh yes, this scene. This is good." So that's cool. I'm glad that uh, kind of stretches and fantastic. I'm glad to hear that you watched it with your son. I'll try to hold off till our final thoughts to hear about you know right. Uh, how a younger generation thinks about it, so. But I'm glad, I'm glad that you did. But Snipes is, uh, you know, woodpeckering into the chest, which is obviously making all of these, you know, holes into the chest, which is starting to flood water in there. To get some air, they eventually get up and open the chest, you know, right in time as they do that, they go down this big, kind of like a waterfall in a pipe or whatever, and it breaks apart the chest, and luckily they start floating on an oil can or whatever after that, um, and they see the lights of the city, so they're they're on the way. Hmm. Hunch goes to see his uncle. Uh, I love, I love the way that he calls him Uncle Dookie. Uncle Dookie, Uncle Dookie, I got him. Uncle Dookie, Uncle Dookie. I just, <laughs> again, probably it's just because I love Charles Nelson Riley so much. I, I do like how he fucked up Aqueduct, and he he says, "Oh no, they went down an inadequate." drain pipe and they're definitely are, are probably, I killed them adequately. Right. And it's just, I don't know, it's a good play on words. Right. And I just, I thought it was funny, and do I get a very good line that I like from uh, the Grand Duke, uh, where he says, If I kill my nephew, would that be murder or charity? <laughs> and that was a little dark, uh, but I did, I enjoy that, and I enjoy some dark humor. But basically, Duke sends Hunch back out, Uh, And he gives him like some sunglasses and tells him to go find the city. Which honestly, I don't think the sunglasses really come back. I don't think he had to use them ever in the. No, I don't remember the movie. I don't remember that either. Maybe maybe he had him on just walking around the city, and I don't remember just because it's a bright city. Right. Maybe that's what it is, and I just didn't notice that he had him on. Maybe maybe that's the case. I'll go. I'll go with that. I'm going to give this movie the benefit of the doubt. Okay. How about that? Okay. As our characters are searching around the city, we kind of get a little montage going on with narration. You know, we see as an audience, we see that Chanticleer is this really big character. He's, you know, now his name is called the King, obviously representing Elvis. He looks he, he looks as if Elvis was a rooster, mm-hmm. just this big kind of character in the city called the King, uh, and they can't figure it out. But uh, eventually they do realize that, you know, they see this big old stand of him or whatever, uh, and so they're like, okay, sweet, we're gonna go check out the king, uh, and Hunch happens to kind of find him at that same time, but uh, here we get a song of uh, Chanticleer singing in his show. Let me be your rooster And I'll roost with you Let me be your rooster
2: Let me hear your sweet voice coo Girl, you've thrown me for a loop well, you the number one chicken in this
0: chicken coop. It's good. It's, again, another good stuff. Like, I, I just, I enjoy his voice. I enjoy the style that they have uh, of Chanticleer singing. And I think those are probably some of my favorite parts of the movie, is just some of the different song parts.
1: I do like how Glenn Campbell kind of approximated the voice of Elvis. It's not an exact replication of Elvis. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's got the Elvis tones and sort of twangs. But doesn't sound exactly like Elvis. So you, yeah, we know basically approximating Elvis with this, mm-hmm. but it's it's enough to where you know it's hinting at it, but it's not being too much and too overt.
0: Exactly. They, they didn't turn it into a caricature, right. Of Elvis, which is good. I agree. I agree. They they kind of towed that line very well. Yeah. We meet some other characters at this point. We meet uh, this pheasant called Goldie, uh, who is voiced by Ellen Smith. <laughs> Just no who most people would recognize Ellen Smith as Audrey from Little Shop of Horrors, where she also had that very kind of like Betty Boop esque voice. Oh yeah. Uh, and then Pinky is the fox manager of Chanticleer, and that's voiced by Sorrel Book.
2: Oh Goldie, would you not bother me with this right now?
0: You've got to go on in two minutes. Who most people would know him best as Boss Hog in The Dukes of Hazard. Oh, okay. Yep, so they got they got some like, you know. Some good voice actors or some people that, I don't know, the, he is—he plays very similar uh, kind of, I don't know, mm-hmm. big boss bad guy or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, he's kind of a classic slimy manager character. As the king leaves the building, we get a couple, actually, a couple funny things as he's leaving the building. One, he smashes Hunch. With the door, which I think is funny, Uh, just this—that's exactly what Hunch is there for: slapstick humor. And also, we see that he is surrounded by bouncers. Which one I love—that the the bouncers are frogs, Mm -hmm. and they're singing a song all about bouncing.
2: Yeah, out of the way. You won't get very far, we'll bounce you once, bounce you twice if you get out of line, we're not very nice. We'll bounce, bounce you all over the place. Bounce, 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 bounce if we don't
0: like your face. And I think that was kind of awesome. <laughs> like, not bouncing as in like jumping up and down bouncing, but bouncing people. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's good. But because of all of that, uh the kind of the Edmund and the group, they can't get to Chanticlair, they can't talk to him. But uh we then See Chanticleer uh, is kind of off on his own. You know, he's sad. He's depressed because he misses the farm. Um, and the manager, you know, we just see him. the manager obviously is pushing him away from the farm. He he wants, I mean, he wants to exploit him. He wants to use him to keep making money. I get that. But, right. you know, I don't think he has uh, Chanticleer's best interest at heart. Agreed. Uh, meanwhile, this the scene of the farm animals that were left with the uh the bed a little side storyline of they were r- kind of running out of batteries or whatnot and these owls you know are kind of swarming around them and one thing is like once the light goes out you know these animals are gonna fucking kill them <laughs> and that's right. that's basically what the grand duke says and that's pretty pretty crazy and we get a, a quick little song pretty much about that
2: Twiddly D, Twiddly D, they're running out, they're running out, they're running out out of batteries. batteries. (laughs) No batteries.
0: Kind of dark, but interesting. Yeah. In the city, we find out that the Grand Duke is actually the boss of the Fox Manager, so he knows where Chanticleer is, and he's, you know, he's using. fox to keep him there and he's manipulating Chanticleer, you know, through the fox so he doesn't come back to the farm and apparently raise the sun because apparently he does have the power to raise the sun obviously as we've seen. The fox uses the idea of using this attractive pheasant uh, you know which she is she's a, she's in a she's a good-looking cartoon pheasant when it comes to cartoon pheasants this is probably the one that I've been most attracted to um, out of the plethora <laughs> of cartoon pheasants I don't know I don't know about you
1: Apparently she was uh, sort of somewhat modeled after Jessica Rabbit
0: Okay I can I can 100% see that I can also catch that kind of in the voice as well mm-hmm. so I think that makes some sense So at uh, a Ashanti show we get a song going on We're well, down
2: into the low I was so alone, I never had no money, I had no honey to call my own, that's why I treasure hunting, why treasure hunting for my love. he's treasure hunting for his love, well I've been everywhere, searching high and low, but I ain't found no rainbow yet that I has a pot of gold,
0: and we kind of get some madness also where the group is trying to get like this letter and trying to get something to Chanticleer but they end up getting discovered and Goldie goes out on stage and I think she kisses the king and you know he kind of comes immediately entranced in her because as I mentioned she is a hot cartoon pheasant (laughs) so who wouldn't want some of that we also kind of find out just through narration uh, that Goldie is also quickly falling for Chanticleer that actually is one thing that I saw from some other just kind of reviews or other stuff that I looked at that some people didn't like for this movie is that That they utilize narration too much to further the story Mm -hmm. as opposed to just getting us through the story or seeing things, you know, happening on their own. We would have these little sections of Patu coming in and telling us where it's just like, whoa, 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 we can find this out ourselves. Like, you don't you don't have to pretend that we're dumb. Now, granted, this movie is very much for kids. uh, And so to guess to keep it at a quick, snappy 86 minutes. Or not even, it's like 78 or 79 minutes or whatever it is. Maybe they just kind of wanted to do that to kind of, you know, move stuff quickly. Uh, but I kind of, looking at it, I kind of agree, you know, like I don't need all this narration. Some of it setting up and what moving on here and there, but like they have him coming in and just moving shit all the time where it's like, well, I I can figure this out myself. I don't need to be, you know, knocked over the head that Goldie is falling for Chanticleer because that's obvious, even in just like these two scenes that you're showing me. Right. Right. Edmund decides to talk to Goldie instead of Chanticleer because they're having trouble actually getting to him. Uh, But she was apparently told that, uh, you know, he's a bad kitty and there's this (laughs) bad kitty looking to hurt Chanticleer. So she doesn't really listen. But yeah, they, so they get, captured luckily though i guess what happens right away is goldie sees that they are basically mistreated and that she was mistaken for trusting pinky all the time so she flips pretty much immediately right which i also thought was kind of strange
1: well she ne- she never seemed like a bad person no she was just a little she was selfish but not bad yeah so i, I like to, to me I, I i understand the the a quick flip because she never seemed like an evil person she was just maybe self-centered.
0: Yes, yeah, she, I, I, I definitely agree that she seemed like a nice enough person. I think there's even a line in there, uh, which I don't know if it would really fly today. But it was talking. I think Patu, the narrator, was talking about how dumb she sounded. Like basically, she sounds like a like a idiot, but you know she's really not all that bad or something like that. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, you're just. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of going off the look and sound of this girl and just making all these assumptions. But what, whatever I did. I did that one. That one I do remember just kind of like made me take a step back like, oh, OK, <laughs> they went there while the king and Goldie are filming this movie. Uh, she tells him about his friends being there and being captured and caught by Pinky. Uh, and he shows she shows Chanticleer this note, you know, that kind of proves that they came to try and get him. Pinky ends up trying to blackmail the king into continuing to perform for him. Basically, mm-hmm. the king uses this, you know, motorcycle that he's on to, you know, leave the set with Goldie and go rescue his friends, which he kind of does. He kind of rescues him, but <laughs> then he gets knocked out in the process, <laughs> and he's just kind of like useless for a while. And they have to all have to save him, uh, and they end up escaping in. Pinky's gigantic pink Cadillac, which is, I think, obviously a throw to Elvis as well. Uh, right. Just, you know, a big pink Cadillac is very Elvis. We also see that the frogs chase them, which is nice. And uh, Peepers and Edmund have to, like, release the trailer. And Peepers ends up getting stuck on the trailer and it gets detached. And then, like, Peepers is just kind of like, oh shit, you know, she's, she's a goner. Uh, we're going to have to <laughs> go back and get her at some point. But also a very strange little section here where we get, like, a weird inner dream sequence from... I don't know if you remember this, but it was a weird... Yeah, it was like a internal dream sequence like within a dream i guess since we're inside this cartoon but like edmund has like this inner dream thing that is like kind of showing him showing his mental state and about him overcoming his scaredy catness neither here nor there it really was kind of a throwaway thing but i just thought it was kind of strange about like how we're kind of we went inside his head inside this cartoon which is apparently inside his head kind of unnecessarily i don't know how i missed that but i don't remember that at all it it was a very very short okay uh, so it's not real. almost i Pretty much didn't even need to talk about it, but okay. it just seemed kind of strange. Peepers ends up rescuing everybody because there's this helicopter that went to came to come to get them, but apparently Peepers ended up in it. There is absolutely no explanation of how that happened. I guess we just assume that Peepers is just a badass and stole the helicopter and rescued the friends that way, whatever. Um, they go back to the farm. The batteries go out for the other people. You know The owls want to go in and eat them. But the chopper gets there just in time. Uh, We also see, you know, Hunch kind of idiotically fucking things up at the same (laughs) time. Uh, But he ends up, you know, he ends up taking down the chopper. The chopper goes down. Uh, But at this point, Chanticleer wakes up. You know, he doesn't think that he can crow again, and so he's he's just kind of like, you know, he's still he's not he doesn't have that Chanticleer confidence that we need, John. We need him to crow, damn it. Right. And the owls come to attack. The animals start chanting "Chanticleer," you know because edmund gets hurt uh, but he believed in the power of Chanticleer, so he's like no Chanticleer, claire uh you know show him that we believe and then he gets like you know seemingly killed or whatever right uh and tossed aside so all the other animals are taking picking up the cause and they want to show Chanticleer that they believe in him that they believe he can raise the son the grand duke it's also, at this point grows to a massive fucking size, and then he turns into a tornado. It's <laughs> just kind of strange shit going on. Chanticleer, you know, in this stress buildup, he lets off this gigantic cockadoo, and he sh- shoots like a skyrocket fucking thing, and he, you know, he crows out there. Um, and this ends up miniaturizing the Grand Duke into a super tiny little owl thing and the sun comes out and everyone is saved. Um, and apparently the son has the power to turn Edmund back into a real boy, whatever and we hear his voice we hear his mother's voice repeating his name kind of through another person and it becomes his mother's voice. Um, but apparently, this whole thing was just some sort of fever dream, just like fucking Wizard of Oz or whatever. This was all some just fever dream, and everything is okay now. Everything's good. We're back <laughs> into real life. That's the end of the movie, and we end it with a song. Cockadoo, what
2: a day. The sun is shining brightly. Cockadoo, sunny day. Down here on the farm. Cockadoo, stay away.
0: I like the song. That's it. And the kid can kind of visit his friends in the storybook. <laughs> and that's that's about it. Roll the credits. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess I kind of plowed through that quickly, but it doesn't feel like there's much. There wasn't too much to talk about in there anyway. Right. Uh, let me start with my stuff. Okay. Because then I I would definitely want to hear uh, your comments and then hear about, you know, what your son thought of this film. Uh, Because he is, you know, very close to the age that you would have been when this came out. Right. My thoughts, I think the movie is fairly cute. It's honestly not registering with me now as an adult, but I think it's one that I would show a kid and I would be happy with showing it to them. You know, there are uh, some you know plot holes in this film there is some confusion right. in this film but i think the songs are good i think the animation is pretty solid actually i think you know good don bluth animation mm-hmm. they do a damn good job you know i i honestly as i mentioned before i kind of forgot about the whole live action thing and that's probably for a good reason because the live action parts are the most unnecessary weirdest part of the film the best parts are some of the you know just good the cartoon scenes and the cartoon songs and etc. I mentioned before it, I'll say it again though. Glenn Campbell had a fantastic voice Mm -hmm. uh, for Chanticleer's singing voice and, and they did a great job with that music. But besides that, mostly I think the movie's pretty skippable. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one that you can just kind of, you know, you don't need to go back and watch. I would say go, go on YouTube and just watch clips of the songs. And that's pretty much all you need from this film in my opinion. But yeah, so that, that was my, quick little breakdown of that how about you john what are your thoughts and what were your son's thoughts
1: mostly i'm going to echo what you said um i think there were Mm -hmm. scenes that were cute overall i got nothing out of it really Mm -hmm. i i think it would have been better if they could have not used any of the live action stuff at all and and probably not use any find a way to make the kitty in there or honestly cut the kitty out and find some other way of Using that. (laughs) Well, I mean, you could
0: be a farm cat. There's plenty of farm cats going around. Sure. Yeah, they could have written that totally different. I I absolutely agree, though. I mean, it's not like we haven't had films with animals talking to us and driving stories the entire time. That's all. I guess maybe they wanted to do something unique, but it wasn't. It wasn't that unique and wasn't that good. Um,
1: I did enjoy uh, Glenn Campbell's singing voice. Um, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed that part of it mostly. uh, I really got nothing out of it. Um, I, okay. I really, by the end of it, I was kind of glad it was over. Um, I watched it, as I mentioned, I watched it with my son. I, you know what? I bet if I asked him, cause I didn't, I should have, I should next time I should just ask him if it, if it's something, if I ask him if this is something he'd watch again, then I know he'd, he'd like it. Mm-hmm. But I would bet that if I asked him that, he'd probably say no. Okay. He did, <laughs> however, I mean, he liked, he laughed at some of the jokes. He liked the, he really liked the, the sort of woodpecker scene in the box. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Where he heard this from? Because it's not necessarily something I've sh- talked to him about, but he immediately was like, "Oh, the bird is Elvis." Oh, and honestly, okay. I'm I've never really talked to him about Elvis. I, I don't know if maybe he watches a lot of YouTube. Maybe that's where he's heard it from. But mm-hmm. he knew that he was. He knew that the king is Elvis. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I do nice. I do live in Las Vegas. So you know, there's yeah, oh yeah, uh, Elvis's <laughs> Elvis eye. Elvises, yeah. whatever you want to call it, <laughs> Elvisese, everywhere. <yeah. laughs> but it's still not something we've really discussed with him. Not that it's nothing that needs to be discussed, but it's just sort of like, you know, it's older music I didn't think he'd enjoy, but he was lost a lot. He was constantly, okay. He was constantly asking me, like, who is that? Why are they there? What is going on? And I would say at least, like, 60% of the time, my answer was, I have no idea.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: That's about right. So... So. I, honestly, and I, there's a lot of the Don Blues stuff that I love and, and stuff mm-hmm. that we haven't yet talked about that I'm excited to talk about. This yeah. is just not one of them.
0: All right, John. Well, uh, enough of that cock. Let's move on to uh, to a duck. Uh, we're going from rooster to mallard, if you will. Uh, and, that, uh, yeah, that was our review of Rockadoodle. I hope this next part won't be foul. <laughs> oh, thank you. That was, good. That was a good pun. I can't even be mad at that. That was fantastic. <laughs> All right, Darkwing Duck. This show aired from between 1991 to 1992. It had a total of 91 episodes and three seasons. Um, it aired both kind of on syndicated programming block on uh, in the Disney Channel on their afternoon programming, and then also on Saturday mornings on ABC. Technically, this show is a spinoff mm-hmm. of Ducktales, which we actually talked about in like our second or third episode. I can't remember which one. Yeah, I think it was very early on. Yeah. Because it's a shared universe, uh, Launchpad McQuack is is obviously the most shared character on both of these shows. The show Darkwing Duck entered production roughly one year after DuckTales ended. Mm. Also, specifically, DuckTale, uh, Darkwing Duck was inspired by two specific episodes of DuckTales. Uh, one that starred Launchpad McQuack as a secret agent, and the other where Scrooge McDuck becomes a masked vigilante. Uh, called the Masked, Mal- the Masked Mallard, uh, where he wears a purple uniform and cape. So those kind of uh, all tied into kind of leading into Darkwing Duck. Mm-hmm. Obviously, just kind of looking at it, the show and the character of Darkwing Duck is heavily influenced by pretty much two characters. Uh, one is Batman, you know, between the kind of even the look of the city he defends, his all of his gadgets and vehicles and Uh, His massive rogues gallery of, like, silly villains, those all kind of scream Batman to me. But the actual look of Darkwing Duck, he looks a lot like The Shadow, if you know that comic book character. Yeah, yeah. So he's kind of like, that's, that's the ties on that. This show starred Jim Cummings as Darkwing Duck.
2: I am the terror that flaps in the night.
0: I am the cloud.
2: That rains on your hit parade. I am Darkwing
0: Wing. D- We've talked about Jim Cummings multiple times on this sh- podcast. Uh, he's best known as Winnie the Pooh. Mm -hmm. That's just going to say that one. He's done so many different things. Terrence McGovern did the voice of Launchpad McQuack, who we've talked about before in DuckTales, because he also reprised his role of Launchpad from that show. I've been thinking about getting one myself. Uh, A duffel bag, (laughs) not a brain. Uh, Christine Cavanaugh did the voice of Goslin.
2: Okay. I made the semifinals in the Wiffle Boy video game competition.
0: Who is the adopted daughter of Drake Mallard slash Darkwing Duck, Christine Cavanaugh. I'm pretty sure we've talked about her before as well uh, because she did the voice of Chucky Finster in Rugrats. Uh, She was the voice of Dexter in the show Dexter's Lab, Babe in the movie Babe. Mm -hmm. And she is a fantastic voice actress, which honestly... I don't know how I didn't realize it, but she passed away in 2014 at only 51 years old.
1: Oh, I didn't know Um, that.
0: Yeah, that kind of, that's really shitty, yeah, that's but she was an amazing voice actress. Yeah. Katie Lee did the voice of Honker Muddlefoot, who was a, just kind of another side character, kind of like a nerdy looking kid side character. And um,
2: well, I, um, we, um the, um, the, um, the, um, there is this, um, a lady jumped out loud panic, then she painted door of this glass and took the you back to that picture.
0: And Katie Lee did the voice of Rolf on Mother Babies. Oh, so okay. Sure brought her up then. Uh, and then there are just tons. I mean, this being a Disney animated show tons of big name voice actors uh, that have been on this sh- this show yeah. at different points uh Dan Castellaneta did the voice of Megavolt who is one of like the biggest kind of more fun villains on the show mm-hmm.
2: it's safer in here than out there with
0: dark warrior duck you would know him as uh, homer simpson is probably his most famous character right of course frankie welker did some stuff you know he's done a bunch of different things and so he was on here rob paulson kath suchi pat fraley charlie adler tress mcneil tim curry ed eddie deason did at least a, a voice or two in this one who we just talked about in uh in rockadoodle mm-hmm. uh jess harnell phil hartman tons of others uh, and also uh, the character, or the actor, voice actor Mark Dodson did some voices in this show as well. Uh, and he is most famous as the voice of Salacious Scrum from Return of the Jedi. Oh. The the little the little wiry rat looking thing that was a Job of the hut side. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: and he was also the voice of the, the Mogwai in Gremlins. Okay. Uh, so he's a good voice actor. We hadn't Wait. talked about him before, but I just saw that. As a gizmo in Gremlins? Well, it said. In in Gremlins, it said Mogwai and Gremlins. What well, he did the voice of those. Okay. So I'm not sure if it was because I my, specifically. Gizmo. My
1: understanding was that it was. Uh, Howie Mandel did the voice of of Gizmo. He
0: might maybe maybe he did the other, the other Mogwai, Mogwai okay. like the evil Mogwai like those group of ones. Okay. Yeah, and those and those Gremlins because it said it said Mogwai slash Gremlins. So it must have been them like those all the other groups of ones. Uh, okay. So anyway, but just obviously, I just threw out a fuck ton of amazing voice actor names. So tons of great people uh, lent their voices to this show. This was a show I definitely watched as a kid. I kind of forgot that it came out in 1991. Right, like I thought it was a little bit later for some reason. I thought I thought maybe it was like after the success of you know, like the Batman cartoon. But this was apparently like started off right around the same time because yeah. I believe that started off in 91 as well. Yeah. But uh, I mean, do you do you remember watching this one as a kid? Because I certainly remember watching this one when oh, I was younger. I totally
1: remember this one. I think I actually preferred this one over DuckTales at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At the time. I'm not, yes, me too. I'm not sure I could say that now, but I remember loving it a lot. Mm-hmm. Especially, I don't know, this character, uh, I think only showed up a few times and I can't remember if he also might have shown up in DuckTales but I always loved the character of Gizmo Duck. Yes, the kind of the robot with on the one wheel and I can't yeah. I
0: He did I, he started off in DuckTales. He was definitely definitely in DuckTales. That's what I thought.
1: And I can't did he get his own cartoon? I can't remember.
0: I don't believe so. I don't believe so, but I
1: always wanted one cuz I for some reason I always yeah. loved Gizmo Duck cuz he was goofy. He was always screwing up I've always had a nostalgic love for the character of Darkwing Duck because, Mm -hmm. you know what, I think Disney got something right in that sort of DuckTales world. agree. I'm glad to see actually I've mentioned this before, but I I don't mind saying it again. They they relaunched DuckTales not that long ago. The Mm -hmm. first time I saw it, I didn't think anything of it. The more I watched it, the more I realized it's full of fan service for people who watch the original. Um, They mentioned all kinds of stuff. They've had Gizmo Duck on there. Um, I don't remember if Darkwing Duck has made an appearance, but he might have.
0: I think he did, and there is a rumor that they might be revamping a new Darkwing Duck show as well. I really
1: hope so, and they better be Using Jim Cummings. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. They I haven't
1: yeah. used. They haven't used really any of the original actors for uh, the new Jersey. However, the guy who voiced uh, Scrooge McDoug is died a long time ago, so they can't use him. Mm-hmm. So they're they're using yeah. um, David Tennant. Okay, cool. Um, and at first, at first, I didn't like it, but he's. It's grown on me.
0: Yeah, I haven't watched any of the episodes, but I I, I do kind of need to, specifically because you've told me how much fan service it does to the original, so that, that may, really makes it worth it. And it, honestly, I it I wouldn't have been for me if it weren't for the fact that my
1: wife had been forced to watch the show with my kids, mm. and and mm-hmm. she was like, you know what, it's really not that bad. So I rewatched it with them, and and uh, I wouldn't say I've grown to like it, but I've grown to appreciate it. Cool. So Adam, when are we going to talk about the best part of this show? was what, the best part of the show, John? The theme song.
2: Chippy on the right swoops out of the shadows Darkly from the night Somewhere some villain schemes But his numbers are three, two, one
0: This is a fantastic theme song. I absolutely agree with you on that one, uh, and probably is the best part of the show. Kind of re rewatching it now, which I'll talk about a little bit later, but that it is—it's a fun fucking theme song. Man. Oh my god,
1: I've—I catch myself singing this theme song all the time, and I always have. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. It's really engaging. I, I like how they kind of use his voice in it, and like the, the sort of the big droppy voice like this. Mm-hmm. If we ever do this, it might be a spoiler, this might be one of my favorite 90s cartoon theme songs of yeah, all time. That's totally valid. I'm not saying it's the,
0: yeah. but it might be yeah, one of. But it'll be, it'll be high on your list. Okay. I mean, we'll eventually get to it. We did the 80s ones, and that was a blast, and I kind of want to do the 90s ones eventually, too, which we, we've got a whole bunch of lists coming up, though. Uh, yeah. They're all, they're all fantastic lists, everybody. Just watch or listen to all the list episodes, because I, I love the list that we have now and some of the ones that we have coming up as well. Yeah. So another thing that I actually do really, really like about Darkwing Duck, and specifically just Darkwing and Jim Cummings' voice, how he how he does this, Every episode, uh, he has like a new catchphrase that you know he announces <laughs> when he announces himself into a scene, uh, you know, which stems a little bit off of the Batman stuff. You know, "I am the knight" or whatever the hell. You know, all the stuff that Batman would say. Darkwing Duck says something similar, but it's it's ridiculous and it's something <laughs> like new every time.
2: I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the butter that burns in your pan. I. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the ten dollar service charge and all return checks. I am Darkwing Duck. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the widget missing from the easy to assemble swing set. I am Darkwing Duck. Because I am the terror that flaps in the night. Yeah, gotcha. I am the ingrown toenail on the foot of crime. I am the zit that forms when you've got a
0: really big date.
2: I am the impacted wisdom, oh, too. Oh, like dad, we get the point.
0: That, that is kind of fun. It, it makes each episode kind of unique. You know, I don't know, that... Not the same, but similar-esque to how Dr. Cox would call JD a different girl's name every episode. And it's always just kind of fun of whatever new name he was going to call him. Uh, Similar-esque is that, you know, what is Darkwing going to say? What kind of weird phrase is he going to say before he goes into uh, whatever scene to save the day? Which I I always enjoyed how they did that. Yeah, I agree. The animation was solid. Uh, I absolutely, I mean, it's Disney strong animation i mean uh it's not i wouldn't say it's you know the best in the world but this was good and it it holds up watching it again you know i like that style that hand-drawn style of animation and disney just did it right back in this time you know with Ducktales, uh with Darkwing duck you know they just they do solid shit and so you know i i appreciate what they're doing in the animation department on that front i would say i think Think I you know I really enjoy Darkwing Duck nostalgically. It's as similar with you. It's one probably partly because of the theme song. I guess yeah, whatever. I guess the Ducktales people really know how to fucking make theme songs <laughs> because they're they're doing a killer job with uh with both Ducktales and Darkwing Duck, which would be funny because you know the Ducktales theme song was really really high on my list, and uh, so it'd be interesting to see if Duck if Darkwing Duck was really really high on my uh, '90s list compared to my '80s. Yeah cartoon list but um re-watching this show i think it's okay i think it's a much better show for kids mm-hmm. uh where honestly i found myself getting kind of bored pretty quickly watching the show now i'd absolutely still show this show to kids i would put it in front of your son and daughter and be like hey watch this i bet you'll enjoy it probably particularly your son and you know and i think they could just go wild but currently I've grown out of it John as a 33 mm-hmm. year old dude I've <laughs> I've probably grown past wanting to watch this show Uh, Where others I haven't, you know, I guess like I mentioned, I'm kind of the one I keep going back to is Gargoyles because I did end up going back and watching like a fuck ton of those shows and that made me happy. And even the last episode uh, that we talked about these uh, Animorphs, John, I've gone back, I've watched like maybe an an extra eight or nine episodes (laughs) since we (laughs) recorded that episode. I enjoy it. I'm not going to lie. I still enjoy Animorphs. It makes me feel very 90s. I've seen an additional zero. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and I feel so sad for you because you could have had all that '90s nostalgia, that that teen sci-fi ness. But anyway, as a as a 33 year old, I'm not loving Darkwing Duck as much as I did as a kid. But uh, what about you? Uh, yeah, more
1: or less. Uh, I watched I watched yeah. about four or five episodes. There were funny parts. Largely, I found myself drifting. Um, I do agree mm-hmm. that I think uh, I haven't actually shown this show to my son yet, which I should because he knows who the character is. He loves Ducktales. Yeah. So. Um, I'll just have to kind of find some you know good places to, to rent or, or buy yeah. it, but I think he will enjoy yeah, it. And
0: you've, you've mentioned probably, you said you've mentioned that your son knows a lot of different, um like just cartoon theme songs. Yes. So he probably has heard this one before too. And so that might even. Oh, he knows it. Yeah. Yeah. So that would jumpstart him into the series as well, which if you get a kick-ass theme song and if you know it already, hell, that's half the battle for a kid.
1: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it might be yeah. something. And you know what? Maybe going back and, and watching it with him, might change my mind a little bit because mm-hmm. that has happened. You know, yeah. having something that they enjoy kind of influences how I feel about it. But for me, I love it in, in my in my nostalgia, but it's, it's with the exception of the theme song, which, uh, you know, I'll listen to it at
0: a drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. It, the show itself <laughs> will probably just have to stay in my nostalgia. I wholeheartedly agree. Sorry, Darkwing. Maybe you should become a peking duck instead. Does <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that any good? No, I was not good. All right, sure. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by Tootsie Pops.
2: Mr. Turtle, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? I never made it without biting. Ask Mr. Owl. Mr. Owl. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? Let's find out. One, two, three, three. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll center of a Tootsie Pop? The world may never know.
1: All right, and now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we're going to be casting the Marvel hero, Moon Knight. Uh, I put this in here because I thought it kind of sort of tied in with the uh, you know superhero of the night theme of Darkwing Duck. Mm-hmm. Oh, fair enough. So, And I've been looking for something to put Moon Knight in for us to cast. This yeah. worked just as well, I think, as any other episode. Besides, sometimes we just throw something in because we want to, and this is going to be one of those episodes.
0: Khonshu, the god that gives Moon Knight his powers, is basically like this big dead bird looking that thing. is true so it kind of actually it kind of fits <laughs> <laughs> so yeah all right yeah. we can the bird theme lives
1: on <laughs> i love it when a plan comes together yes all right uh if you are not familiar with moon knight i'm going to give you a very kind of abridged uh history of them they're actually and even though even if it's a character i'm familiar with whenever we're going to cast something like this i do tend to go and, and try and do a little bit more research there are several good uh, youtube channels that discuss the history of a lot of comic book characters. Um, there are a few. The one that comes to mind is a, sh- is a channel called Comics Explained. I really like that channel for the history. Um, uh, I, I, this might be a little bit of a topical thing, uh, but uh, Comic-Con 2019 just wrapped up right before we... Uh, did this and and Marvel announced uh, the Eternals, which we already kind of knew. But the Eternals is a is a um, a, a series that I'm not really at all familiar with because I didn't really get. I don't know about you, Adam. I didn't really get into too much of the cosmic Marvel characters and no, stuff. I'm I mostly stayed in um, stayed on Earth. Uh, sort of the biggest stuff I I got to as far as like vastness was X Men. A little bit into uh, the Infinity Watch, but not a lot. Um, and sort of the mm-hmm. the Infinity Gauntlet and the Infinity Crusades. Those about, those were about as big scope wise as books as I got into. Everything else was much, was much smaller and localized.
0: Also, I want to just do a plug to our friends of our podcast, uh, Dynamic Duel. You can get a lot of history in characters from them. And actually, I think one of their very first duels, if not the very first duel that they ever had, was Batman versus Moon Knight. So you can kind of get a little bit of, uh, actually, yeah, get a little bit of history of that character if you listen to their kind of uh, their re-upload of that one. Yeah,
1: exactly. So Moon Knight uh, is a man named Mark Spector, who is a mercenary. Um, he gets hired by this archaeologist in a dig, and he's he goes into, the bu- into business with a guy named Raul Bushman, um, and they're both there. Uh, they discover this treasure, but Bushman uh, wants to steal the treasure from the archaeologist. Uh, Spectre goes to stop him. Bushman essentially kills him and lays him at the foot of a statue of the Egyptian god Khonshu. Khonshu essentially resurrects him. He kind of goes back to the U.S., and becomes this character called, or becomes this hero called Moon Knight. Now the interesting Mm -hmm. thing about Mark Spector and kind of Moon Knight, he develops these multiple personalities. The way it's sort of put out in the beginning is he develops these characters, per se, as like alter egos, but then the alter egos start to kind of take on a life of their own, and he kind of essentially be having sort of identity dissociative disorder, Mm -hmm. or dissociative identity disorder. I think that's how it is.
0: So basically, he has multiple personalities. Oh, yeah. Do they they not just call it, you know, split personality anymore? Is that not kosher? Yeah, it's got its own thing. Okay. There's a couple of other
1: characters that are involved. We'll kind of talk about them as they go because I don't want to give you too much mm-hmm. of a background because I really actually want the listener to really go and and listen to either uh, Dynamic Duel or find one of these YouTube channels because mm-hmm. they really do a really good job of diving into the character. Cool. So he, he becomes all these different people, one of which is Moon Knight, um, who kind of wears this white cape, has kind of like a, a, solid, I don't know, a black mask, or it's like a white mask. There's always a shadow
0: there. Yeah. Moon Knight looks fucking awesome he does look very
1: cool he's often compared to batman because he essentially is a rich guy who mm-hmm. fights crime however it well i couldn't i can't say that it's a darker story because batman gets pretty dark yeah <laughs> yeah so um but i mean he is a rich guy so he's got a lot of tech and stuff like that and it's sort of shaped like the moon so it's the night but he's moon night is white and batman is typically dark blue or black or gray, mm-hmm. I, I do kind of see them as, as separate characters. You know, there's a there's a lot of stealing of ideas. Plus, there's only so many ideas you can really come up with for yeah. characters. <laughs> yeah, I'm true. not shocked that you know some things are uh, are repeated. Um, so, yeah. but. What makes it interesting is, yes, he's fighting crime, but he also has sort of the, this voice of Khonshu in his head that is, you know, constantly kind of getting him to do things and and causing these personalities. Now, later on, more recently in the series, which is more of the stuff that I've read, they kind of retcon it to be that he never really had multiple personalities, but those were different aspects of the god Khonshu, which actually is a real thing. Egyptians considered Khonshu that had different aspects. They didn't really like up with what they did in the comics, so I don't know if, if um, maybe they just decided to do that. I don't really like that. Yeah. Um, I do kind of prefer the whole split personality thing. I think it gives the character more depth, so for my casting, I stuck with that part of the story that, yep. that he's going to uh, have multiple personalities. Cool.
0: I did the same. Because it gives him
1: a really hampering flaw that I, I think would help. Mark Spector, the mercenary, uh, one of his aspects is the billionaire, which... Somehow is how he gets his money. The other one uh, is a cab driver that he takes on because that's how he hears things for a while. Was driving people around in cabs, and then Moon Knight. So you had four, sort of four personalities essentially. They uh, developed a fifth one recently, uh, or at least a fifth aspect of him. And they, his name is Mister Knight, and basically he wears the Moon Knight mask, but he wears a white suit. Yeah, and he's it's basically. Him legally working with the police, like the police know he's really Moon Knight, but because they want his help, he basically is treated as Mr. Knight. And that's his name. And so it's sort of he becomes a consultant with the police on stranger things that they can't solve.
0: huh. OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no, I mean, looking at it, I know that's what one of these characters works with him and does a lot of the. Those kind of cases. But yeah, I saw some of those pictures. I was like, oh, wow, they really kind of changed. It looked like they were going like a Hitman aspect right. look to the character. But I, okay, I didn't know that that was part of the storyline, that it was a another personality. Interesting. Okay. So I, I don't know if it's so much a personality anymore as it's just it's a, just a,
1: another aspect that he takes on. Okay, cool. So the characters we're going to do, It's we've been jabbering on about this for too long, I think. <laughs> uh, characters we're going to do are Moon Knight, Khonshu. Uh, which may or may not be something animated or not, or not sorry, mm-hmm. or CG or not, because of sort of how he appears to him in the comics. Frenchie, which is essentially his butler, I forget what the character's real name is, but he just goes by Frenchie. The archaeologist who uh, kind of gets killed in the beginning had a daughter named Marlene, and Marlene kind of becomes a love interest of Mark Spector. Yeah. So we're gonna cast her. Detective Flint is sort of the Jim Gordon of this world. Mm-hmm. He's had several uh, villains, but the one, his first villain and sort of his main nemesis is the Bushman or Ro- Roal Bushman. Mm-hmm. And I'll cool. briefly talk about kind of each character a little bit. Maybe not, well, maybe not. I, I think I've talked enough about him. <laughs> I, I'm tr- I'm trying to not put too much information in there, yeah. and still feel like I'm giving the audience something. So
0: it's a podcast, you know, they're listening to you to talk, John. So <laughs> that's okay. All right, so we'll start uh,
1: basically backwards from that list. Uh, so we'll start with the nemesis, Raúl Bushman. I think I feel like I've started the last few times, so I'm, I'm gonna let you start off this one.
0: Cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, with all of our Marvel ones I've casted to try and put these into the MCU. So I'm trying to not use any other characters who have already been in the MCU and trying to not be how well, I kind of forgot to check to see if I have already cast <laughs> any of these people in previous Marvel stuff, but I'll maybe I'll check that right now. Cause I think I, there are, well, actually, actually, I don't know if I am. I, I don't think I have cast any of these people in anything else. So, uh, so then we should be safe there. All right. So anyway, my Bushman, uh, he's a cool villain. I went with a guy who has actually played a villain before, but unfortunately it was in a really, really shitty DC film, and you couldn't even really tell who he was at all, and I didn't think his villain was all that good. But he is a good actor, and I think he's got the perfect look that I want for my Bushman. I went with Adewale Ekinoye Agbaje. I, I can't pronounce his name, and I, I fucked it up, but... He is a good actor. You've seen him before. He played Killer Croc in uh, Suicide Squad, but he's done plenty of stuff, and he is a strong actor. And I think he would—he would be. It'd be good to get him into the MCU and have him join a good movie franchise for once.
1: Uh, looking at his, his credits, he's done a lot of action stuff, so mm-hmm. I'm sure he'd be great. I haven't seen too many of the things he's been in. Like I didn't watch Lost. I haven't seen any of the GI Joe movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Killer Croc is hard to judge because of. How they used him and he had so much makeup. Yeah. So, But he looks like he could totally work. Okay. I imagine you're probably going to say this, more or less the same thing about the guy I chose. I picked someone who has technically been in a Marvel movie before, just not a MCU movie. Mm-hmm. Even though I actually really liked his look in that movie, uh, I don't know if they'll bring this character back. So I decided I'm just going to go ahead and use him. Um, He's been in several uh, different action movies as well. Uh, he's been in trans- uh, one of the Transformers movies. Uh, he's been in Jurassic World. And he was in X-Men Days of Future Past as Bishop. I went with Omar Sy.
0: Yeah. I, I used him as a casting somewhere else. I think he would be good. I lo- talking about underutilized bishop was totally underutilized i wanted to see honestly i wanted to see he looked fantastic as bishop so i wanted to see more of him i yeah i agree so i think this would be a good good spot to put him in there so yeah I'm, I'm up for that oh he was in uh oh jurassic world as well okay i remember him in that as well yeah yeah so he's done that and with transformers and whatnot he's done some action stuff too so i'd say he is equally as uh, up to the task as uh, my guy all right, so now we're going to go to
1: uh, Detective Flint, who I kind of mentioned is sort of the Jim Gordon of this area. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he's a detective in in the NYPD. Um, I want to say this, because this actually, I meant to mention this before. I actually, I really think that Moon Knight would have been best as a Netflix series in sort of the Daredevil universe that they created. Because mm-hmm. uh, those, those shows, first of all, he's based in New York. That right there can be an easy tie-in. Yeah. Two, the, some of the stories can get really dark, and you can go a lot of places with the sort of you know either the multiple personality, the dissociative identity disorder, mm-hmm. and so it would have been perfect for Netflix. I agree. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. So we'll have to settle for MCU, a PG-13 version. I can live with that. Mm-hmm. I can live with that. Maybe they can still go a little dark without having to go too blue you know are violent
0: uh, so anyway let them bring r i'm totally up for r-rated MTV. Oh, i know but uh,
1: i kevin Feige's pretty more or less said that most of those will not be which unfortunately leads me to believe that we will never see another r-rated deadpool movie
0: uh no we will disney loves money more than anything else and those two movies have made bank and so i think they know that it would be idiotic to go pg-13 for him
1: well we'll see We'll see. Yeah. Um, as much as I'd like to uh, agree with you, I'm, I'm still not convinced that they're going to go that route. Anyway, Detective Flint. Um, so I there were a lot of uh, good choices that could have gone with this, uh, but I went with someone who kind of has that sort of grizzled old look Detective Flint, to me, doesn't have too much personality in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not so much as like say a Jim Gordon would. Um, so I wanted somebody who could kind of play. Obviously, when this starts, this is probably going to have to be someone who's going to be going after Moon Knight, and, and then maybe has to reluctantly use his help. I'm I'm sure you could play it a bunch of different ways, or maybe have a Marty start off if you don't need to do an origin. Either way, I just like this actor. He's he's in uh, several fun movies. Uh, probably my favorite series of movies. Really, the, it's really the first one. I really should just say movie. My favorite movie that he's ever done uh, was the movie Tremors. Uh, so I picked Fred Ward.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. What has he done lately? I don't know if I've seen what he
1: doesn't done too much. I mean, he was he's done. There's been I don't know how many Tremors movies. Yeah, um, he's yeah. done a few of them. I don't, I don't think he's done all of them, but he's done a few of them. He was in a couple episodes of True Detective recently. Uh, he's been doing mm. kind of a, like a lot of TV, um, a lot okay. most movies that are not ones you've probably you know heard of, but. I like the look of Fred Warden. I know he can act. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure this would be something nice and serious and big for him to, to, to be like a nice big comeback.
0: Yeah. No. Fair enough. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with him. You know, I mean, yeah, I like, I like him. I've liked him since Tremors as well. Uh, that's a movie that I watched a couple years ago. Well, I'll say, I'll save my review for it because in case maybe we do it at some point. Oh, we will. <laughs> we so. totally will. Okay. Good. It's a fantastic film, and it's still fantastic. But yeah, cool. I'm, I'm, I like Fred Ward. Okay. No, I think he he would definitely play like a grizzled cop very well. Yeah. When I was looking up the picture of uh, Detective Flint, because I didn't really know much about this character going into it, I just got a, yeah, I got a very kind of Jim Gordon kind of vibe, and I was like, okay, who else could I cast for also Jim Gordon? But like same kind of thing. I I got I just got a Gary Sinise vibe. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. So I casted Gary Sinise. Okay. I like that. <laughs> I like that. He's a good actor, too. I think he could... I mean, they he could totally do it as well, so...
1: <laughs> no, I like that a lot. Uh, I, I don't cool. know. I didn't think of Gary Sinise, but that's... I mean, I could... You know, I mean, he's played a detective before.
0: <laughs> you know when you get those Gary Sinise vibes. You know yeah. you just get them. Yeah. And, and I, that's what I had. I got me a Gary Sinise vibe. Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> That'd be awesome. I hope, like, every movie he works on, or, like, every time, like, what is he on? Is he on, like, CSI or some shit like that? Right. Uh, I hope every... It would be awesome if just... Tom Hanks every now and then just kind of walked into frame. <laughs> hey, Lieutenant Diane, and walked out. And, was, and there was no explanation. God, that would be, make me so fucking happy. Uh, someday. Someday when
1: we when someday, we rule yeah. Hollywood, that'll never yeah. happen. <laughs> no. All right. So let's move on to Marlene, kind of the love interest. I'll go mine because I don't care shit about mine. <laughs> um, that's funny because that's more or less my response as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know really know anything about this character sheet. From what I saw, she seemed to be basically a pretty flat love interest. Kind of character, and so I, I just kind of looked around for blondes who I hadn't cast before, and I just kind of stumbled upon somebody who is not even really a big name, but she is definitely a blonde, and she looks kind of this part. Maybe she could add something to it. I don't, I don't, I don't mean to belittle her at all by any means. She might be perfect for the role, but she's like, you know, I think this seems like a part to have. Like, you don't need a massive role, a massive name for it. But anyway, I went with an actress named Kristen Hager. Uh, she is blonde <laughs> <laughs> that's about all i have to say and i'm sorry i'm sure you're fantastic Kristen. I, I i think i might have only seen one thing that you're in anyway wanted i did see that and i didn't really like that but i'm sure you're fantastic um but yeah okay
1: that's who i went with. uh she is blonde Yes, yeah, she is. She is definitely blonde. I, unfortunately, kind of had the same thought. Mm-hmm. She's not She's not a throwaway character. You'd want some kind of love interest, if anything, to complicate the story somehow. Mm-hmm. I went with someone who, honestly, I didn't check. I might have cast her before in something. She uh, was in Mad Max uh, Fury Road. She was in The Dark Tower. Eh, that's pretty much all the things worth mentioning. Essentially, uh, I went with an actress named Abby Lee.
0: I don't think you've cast her before. It doesn't ring a bell. Okay. Was she like the really kind of the thin girl in Mad Max who, who was like the pregnant? Was she the, one of the pregnant little skinny girls? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I I know who exactly you're talking about. Uh, Yeah. She's she's little. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Looking at her, uh, definitely recognize her. Yes. That's exactly who I thought she was. Cool. I, besides Mad Max, that's all I've really seen her in. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> That's it. Unfortunately, not, not too much of that. Yeah, that's all I've got to say about all that. Right.
1: <laughs> all right. And so now to uh, Frenchie, who is uh, kind of Mark Spector's butler mm-hmm. and kind of confidant. And actually, it comes out, I believe, I believe I'm remembering this correctly. I think it comes out later that uh, Frenchie actually uh, professes his love for Mark Spector.
0: Uh, yeah, I I, I, re- I read that as well. I didn't really put that into my Frenchie, Maybe. I went, and I'll just say, because I, I went with an older actor for my Frenchie. Okay. So maybe you could, you know, have that love interest still there. Whatever. Do it if you do, if you want to. If you don't, whatever. But was there anything else you wanted to say about Frenchie before I go into my actor? Nope. Okay. When I think of French actors, this guy is the top of the fucking list. Eh. And I don't... That's why I don't give a shit that he is older. He is so fucking amazing. I want to see him in so many more movies than I've already seen him in. I went... With Jean Renault as my Frenchie, because he's a fucking amazing French actor. He's an amazing actor, period.
1: Ah, yes. The professional himself. Mm-hmm. I love Jean Renault. He's good in pretty much every everything I've ever seen him in. Yep, absolutely. But he's definitely
0: older, but I was just like, you know what, I, I have a Frenchie character. I'm putting in a uh, this guy who is, you know, done tons of French movies and et cetera, and stuff like that. So I think he's perfect. Okay.
1: Adam, I hmm. also went with a Jean, but a different Jean. <laughs> Luke Picard
0: no oh my god John <laughs> uh,
1: I went uh with the French actor Jean dujardin who was the lead in the artist
0: oh okay he looks more like the actual comic book mm. or he's he's much more on that than uh, than what I went with so yours is probably the better choice <laughs>
1: I mean I I do love Jean Renault I think he's a great actor I would uh sort of explore the love Mm-hmm. Aspect that he has for Mark Spector just because I think okay. it, something like that could cause conflict, and conflict is what makes yeah. movies interesting and and or TV shows. I think this would be a great series, but yes. uh, obviously not one I think they should put on Disney Plus. So maybe we'll get a movie out of it. We'll see. <laughs> no, we can we can yeah, hope. It
0: needs to be a little bit harder. So <laughs> yeah, cool.
1: Cool. I think it's a good call. Uh, it's a good, good choice. All right. So now we're going to go with uh, Conchu. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go ahead and jump in. Okay. Just because I'm already talking about it. I focused more on a voice than I did on a look because you don't really ever see Conchu's face. Conchu is just, he's shown as a person, but it's a person with a bird skull. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like you would hear, and obviously the the mouth is not moving. So it would really just be this yeah. internal voice. So I was more interested in a voice and I wanted an an interesting voice, kind of a deep voice, but I didn't, I want it to be a deep voice with character, not a deep voice just for the sake of having a deep voice. I settled on someone who I think is a fantastic actor. Uh, He's done so many great things. He's been in so many good movies. And coincidentally enough, he is the second person in my cast who's played a character named Bishop. I went with Lance Henriksen
0: oh nice (laughs) he's got a good voice yeah that's a cool call i like i like lance hendrickson he is one of the two people who have been killed on screen by a predator a terminator and a alien yep uh in different films yeah one of the other the other being bill paxton that's a great call that's a great call i like that i like that one a lot okay going on voice he's got a he's got a very good voice good shit john nice I did kind of go with on look, even though, honestly, probably the same way as you. I, I like the bird head. I kind of like the, the god angle, the, the Egyptian god angle um, that you don't need to see their face. But this guy has a decent voice. He actually voiced Splinter in the recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. But I also kind of went with him because he's American, but he came from Lebanese parents. And I kind of wanted to stick with somebody who kind of was from like the Middle East-esque area or who had at least you know ethnicity of there okay uh but he's fantastic actor you know you've seen him in tons of different stuff um, but you don't really think of him as a voice guy, and that's when I saw once I saw that he actually did the voice, you know, of Splinter. I was like, oh, you know what? I bet you could do Conchu, and you could do it well. I went with Tony Shalhoub.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. that is interesting because mm-hmm. I, I you don't think of uh, Tony Shalhoub as that sort of menacing, no, menacing voice. But
0: you go go and listen to his, uh, his Splinter, Splinter, and then you kind of you kind of pick out like he does. I mean, he sounds like Splinter. He also sounds a little Tony Shalhoub, but and, and it's not it's not kind of like that you know monk kind of voice, not at all, or even, um, the character that he did from Wings, right. the cab driver right. on ca- camera, he did not really like that at all. Uh, so I think that's why I think it could work.
1: Okay, I'll, I'll have to go check it out. Um, I have no desire to see either of the movies that came out of that <laughs> franchise, but I'll, I'll go look up a, a video clip just to kind of hear his voice.
0: I did see it at one point, the first one, and it's not good. It's not worth your fucking time, yeah. not not even a little bit. Yep,
1: I didn't think it was going to be. I don't know. I, I really find that interesting, but I, I'm not sure if I, I like mm-hmm. it yet. I'll have to listen first really to say okay. whether or not I can uh, vouch for it. As far as whether I like it. So. Okay. <laughs> all right. Either way, I'm, I'm liking both casts. Uh, I don't think there's mm-hmm. anyone who I think just doesn't work. So
0: this will really, it'll come, you getting, it'll come. Are you getting those Gary Sinise vibes, John? <laughs> getting those Gary Sinise vibes? They flowing through you? Getting that Gary tingle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So well,
1: we'll see how you feel about my Moon Knight. I'm going to go ahead and jump in first with Moon Knight. I'm going to tell you why. I had to change my Moon Knight last second. Oh. I actually, I had put, I'd put this on the schedule a while ago and pretty much immediately finished the casting. I've been sitting on this casting for however many weeks ago that I put it on there. Recently, fairly recently, it hasn't been too, it's been a little bit, but the, the person I cast as Moon Knight was recently cast in an upcoming Marvel movie. Oh, okay. And so for a while, I was just sort of like... Screw it. I'm just going to keep them there. And then today I finally said, like, no, if, if we're going to keep the same thing of not using MCU actors in this to, to keep it up to cast in the MCU, I've got to change it. So I'm not sure if you're going to like it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. My very first choice was Carl Urban. Oh, OK. But Carl Urban's already been in the MCU. Yep. Um, he has. So I knew that ahead of time. He was I was going to write him. The guy who I was sitting on for a long time was Richard Madden.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: I think he would have been a really good Moon Knight. Unfortunately, I agree. he's now going to be Icarus in the Eternals. Yep. Uh, I want to keep our, our casting along the same lines as we've been doing. Uh, so that way, if if we cast something later and then they use him, I can't say anything, but, you know, <laughs> it, so... Uh, I had a tough time finding someone who I thought would uh, fit this because I wanted. I liked Richard Madden, but I, I really liked Carl uh, Urban because he's a little bit older. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I wanted I wanted somebody who was a little bit older, like mm-hmm. in his mid to late thirties. I didn't want a really young Mark Spector. I wanted somebody who had some experience. Gotcha. So people keep comparing mm-hmm. uh, Moon Knight to Batman. So fuck it. I went with Batman. I cast Christian Bale. Oh, someone who's been interesting. Somebody who's been both Batman and a psycho.
0: <laughs> yes he has I mean the dude has got range up the wazoo so he could do everything you need with with mark Spector who honestly is i I feel like it's an actor's it's an actor's role dream yeah you know, it's like a dream role because you can play tons of different parts um and do interesting stuff and Christian bale could totally do that yeah um I thought
1: about maybe um James McAvoy, because he did mm-hmm. *Split*. Oh yes, yeah, *Split*. But uh, he's too synonymous with Professor X at this point, so yep. I wanted to I wanted True. to steer away from it. Uh, Christian Bale's got the range. He's got the age I'm looking for. He's played roles similar to it, but with the with the D.I.D. He could totally. Take
0: it in a bunch of different directions that he wanted to. So
1: ultimately, I'm yeah. I'm satisfied with my choice.
0: Uh, I'm satisfied with your choice as well. Okay, that's a good choice. I uh, if you if you want to go with someone who's pretty much you know like the comic book character, very much similar kind of style. I think that one makes tons of sense. Okay, and I'll kind of give you. I've got two names. One that I ultimately went with, but I'm going to give you this one first. Who was if I was going to go with a comic more comic accurate mm-hmm. accurate Moon Knight slash Mark Spector, uh, which means just another whitey. <laughs> I <laughs> that's 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 what comics gave us all the time. Right. Uh, I actually was going to go with uh, Zachary Quinto, uh, oh. who plays Spock in the Star Trek series. But I I really he's got a lot of range. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's it, got a similar kind of look to the ones that you were throwing out there as well with Richard Madden, Carl right. Urban, et cetera. Um, and he's kind of similar to Adrian. He's only like, three years younger than Christian Bale, but like between his acting that he's done with Spock which is you know very uh reserved etc right. but then also Siler in Heroes where he is kind of like a maniac right. kind of villain guy he he has the range where I think he would be a good addition as uh, a classicy moon knight mm-hmm. but I didn't go with that I really wanted to push the Egyptian angle uh, even though I know Khonshu is the Egyptian character but I I wanted We've got enough whiteys. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have someone with Egyptian descent, so I went with Rami Malek. Okay, uh, he is a fantastic actor. He won an won an Academy Award. Even though I didn't love his Freddie Mercury, and I didn't love—I mean, his Freddie Mercury is fine. I didn't love Bohemian Rhapsody. I thought that movie was was only meh. Okay, it was okay. It wasn't great. But the problem is Rami Malek is very—he's very lil. He's a little dude. Yeah. Uh, so they're going to have to use some, maybe he can buff himself up a little bit, but he's still kind of short. So they're going to have to, you know, but granted it's Hollywood. They can figure something out, put some heels on him or whatever. <laughs> but I, I wanted to go someone with more Egyptian descent just because we've got so many whiteys anyway. So uh, that was my choice. Rami Malik. Okay. Um, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. Okay. So, can you appreciate
1: what I was trying to do? I pre- I totally appreciate what you're trying to do. Okay. Um, and, I'll take i that. And wouldn't argue that point at all. Yeah. Yes, we we have way too many whiteies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we need some diversity. <laughs> um, I was I would say I, even though it's a character I really know nothing about, um, I was actually excited to see uh, that Marvel is going to be doing uh, Shang Chi. Oh yeah. Yep. So I'm interested. To, I'm excited to see how they fit that into the Marvel universe because that I think is we need more stuff like that.
0: And and they're actually going to apparently have the um, the real Mandarin be yes. the villain of uh, Shang Chi, which is cool. I mean, which they should have fucking done from the start. I mean, that's he's Iron Man's like one of his biggest villains, but they kind of went that other angle, which I didn't love. But I'm excited to see that they're going to go that route in Shang Chi. I
1: agree. Uh, so. uh. All right. So that was our casting for Moon Knight.
0: Please join us next time for another top ten episode. John and Adam put on their best flock of seagulls haircut and count down their top 10 80s one-hit wonders. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows
1: from your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at at @blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.